Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 83, released on November 30th, 2011. My name is Steve Eunice, and joining me, as always, is my good friend, Scotty V. Hi, Scott. Hello, everybody. Steve, what's happening? Well, uh, as I mentioned, this is released on November 30th. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that also happens to be your birthday. Oh, my gosh. How did you know that? I've done my research. Oh, all my all my secrets are out. Uh, On the thirtieth, I am officially an old man. An old man. Well, happy birthday for. Uh, Thank you, sir. Yeah. That's very kind of you. Now, um, any plans for your birthday? I don't have anything specific. Uh, a lot of times, uh, we're in the birthday club at Red Robin. We get a uh, free burger sent to us on our birthday. But I've been looking at my email, and I haven't seen it arrive yet. But uh, <laughs> I do love the burgers over there. So. Uh, that's where I'll be going, Red Robin, yum. If anybody there uh, <laughs> hears this, I am absolutely not trolling for free coupons or merchandise. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's fantastic. Now, any wishes for your birthday, anything you're hoping to other than the burger? Uh, well, you know, my wife always makes me uh, brownies. My mom makes me brownies because everybody knows I love brownies. Mm-hmm. So uh, the brownies are going to be good stuff. Uh you know, we don't have a lot of money, so I don't expect uh, too much gift-wise. But, uh, you know, happiness, health, good fortune, that's uh, all good stuff. They're the important things. My parents will probably get me a movie card or something like that to nice. cinema. Excellent. Well, uh, let's get into our discussion topics. What did you want to touch on first? Well, you know, uh, I did want to say that I, I did a great Scott not too long ago about how uh, DCUO went free. And for those of you who saw that and maybe got a little turned off, I do want to say it's still exceedingly and incredibly fun. Mm. Um, now that it's free, all the cheapos can come on. And I have two of my <laughs> closest friends in the area. As soon as it went free, they went on and downloaded it. And we're all flying around as heroes now and, and villains too. So... It's a good game, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. I wish I hadn't have spent 60 on it uh, less than a year ago, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, uh, so it's DC Universe Online. I uh, went free to play, and uh, there are paid versions, as uh, we've also mentioned in the past. Uh, as far as uh, uh, levels, uh, you get uh, you get extra stuff for the... Uh, there's a free version, <coughs> and there's a, a medium version, and there's, there's the... Uh, the ultimate version, I don't know, oh, they're not the actual names that they're calling them, but... Um, legendary. Legendary, that's it, yeah. Ah, so, and then premium, and then just regular free access. Exactly. So uh, DC Universe Online, uh, get to it. Uh, and there are a few people on the Superman homepage who are, um, you know, teaming up together. Check out the message boards uh, for the different various names of the people who are in-game uh, from the Superman homepage. Obviously, there are different... Um, a servers for the PC people versus the PlayStation people, but um, I'm sure you'll be able to find uh, fellow Superman fans from the homepage uh, if you uh, want to find you know, look out for them. That makes me the most annoyed because uh, I had I had bought the PS3 version because mm. I wanted to play it on my big screen when it was not free to just simply download, and now you can get it at the PS3 store. But my friends are on PC, so mm. the game I paid $60 for, I'm not even playing now because I had to download on the PC for free. <laughs> so, so And if you bought ones. the game, you get premium access. Not legendary, but you get premium. Mm. Even if you, down, you, know, if you had bought it previously, yeah. your account stays at premium. But yeah. since I bought it on a different platform, mm. I only have the free version. Okay. So there is yeah. that. 
Oh, well, that that's the way it goes, yeah. So uh, let's uh, talk about movies, uh, which we usually do uh, off the top of the show. Uh, Henry Cavill has been pretty uh, out there in recent uh, in the recent uh, weeks, last month or so, uh, promoting Immortals, and obviously gets uh, quite a few questions in regards to Man of Steel. Now, some of the two uh, th two things that came out of some of those interviews that uh, uh, stu stood out for me were the fact that uh, he was relieved at fan reactions online uh, as to his physique and uh, his casting, and um, you know he's happy that. Fans are, you know, um, behind him for this role and that they're uh, pleased that he's been cast in this role. Um, and that's good. I'm glad that he's, uh, you know, looking online and seeing what the reactions of fans are, but um, hopefully he doesn't get too caught up in a lot of the negativity that can be out there as well. Yeah, you absolutely cannot, uh, ca cannot get too caught up in that because obviously, as we've seen, especially recently, it, it tends to bring out the worst in some people. <laughs> Uh, because of the inability to be seen or known exactly where you are at. Uh, I think maybe if some of these people could be told, I know where you live, maybe they wouldn't uh, <laughs> get so insane. But yeah, I mean, I too think it's great. I think that uh, it's clear, and I think not enough has been said, that uh, Henry Cavill seems like a genuine fellow, and he seems very interested in the role and very interested in the fandom. And he's one of these guys who is uh, genuinely uh, happy, that he was given the role and that he's playing such an iconic character. And I, I see far too many times people that say, well, I'm not going to wear the suit. I'm not going to only play Superman. I want you to pay me more money. I'm leaving out of this franchise. And uh, at least so far, I like how Henry Cavill is, uh, is really embracing this. And, uh, yeah, he does uh, look buffed up. He does look muscular. And I think he really looks the part. And, and I'm even seeing some bootlegged video from behind the scenes, uh, I guess people recording with uh, their video camera, we had it posted on the site, um, that he just, I mean, he's working out while he's waiting between yeah, films, because he, he wants his muscles to be, you know, throbbing with uh, <laughs> strength, uh, you know, when he's being filmed, and, uh, you know, I think that's just, that's really cool. Yeah, he's, he's uh, genuinely excited about getting this role, and he's, you know, extremely happy to have won the role, which... Uh, We've seen in the past when actors have been, you know, you know, named as possibilities. A few of them have turned it down because they were embarrassed by it, or you know, they didn't want to be typecast. Where Henry Cavill seems to be uh, genuinely, you know, thrilled to have won the part. Now, the other thing that uh, he mentioned that uh, stood out for me was that he's been really researching the comic books and that he has, you know, a, a number of favourites uh, in regards to stories uh, from the last uh, twenty years or so of comic books. Um, he named the death of Superman and the return of Superman as two of his favourites, but also mentioned Red Sun, um, and uh, he's enjoying the new Fifty Two stuff. So it's it's great to know that uh, we've got an actor who is uh, looking to the comics as inspiration for you know the the base of what his character should be about. I think it's a great idea uh, as an actor, and and partially that that obviously is because I'm biased toward Superman and comic book characters and superheroes in general, but. Too many times you, you see a, uh, a movie called Steel or, or Catwoman where it's clear that none of the people involved had any idea what they were doing hmm. and, and, and that, that, that the suits in the above offices didn't really care either and just kind of let them have free reign. And I, uh, I appreciate that 
uh, it seems to be that that several people involved with this production, including the higher ups, the actors, and the director, are kind of looking at this as a serious possible reinvigoration of the Superman character and and relaunching of the universe in movie form. And I think reading the comics and getting kind of an overview of many different stories and how the character acts and who the character really is uh, can only be helpful. And uh, I agree with uh, Henry when he says that the death and return of Superman uh, are is, is a great series. I've recently heard a lot of fans uh, with the release of this Elijah Wood uh, mm. thing that he's participating in that's kind of a mockery of the... First of all, I think that can be fun just to kind of laugh at yourself, laugh at the geekdom, and laugh at it. You know, I like Star Trek parodies. I like Star Wars parodies. If they're funny and they're good-natured, I don't really see why you shouldn't do them. I mean, I think it's fun. Parodies have been around for a long, long time. They do them on Saturday Night Live all the time. Mm. They, they've done them on every type of show. It's a, it's a part of comedy. It's a part of the culture. And I don't really think there's a problem with it. But I will say, in my opinion, especially to some of the fans who said it was just schlock and it was just a an event thing and it was just a gimmick, it was all of those things. But within all of those things... It had character moments and emotion and feeling, and you could tell that people that weren't even main characters in the book were really feeling the death of these superheroes and the death of Superman in particular. Yeah. Now that you mentioned this, uh, what's like a mockumentary uh, on uh, the death and return of Superman, it's by uh, Max Landis, who's uh, the writer and director of this uh, comic web video. And uh, as you mentioned, there's Elijah Wood in it, Mandy Moore, um, Ron Howard. So there's a couple of big name actors and, and people in, involved in this. Um, it's uh, Scotty from the new Star Trek movie. Yeah, and um, the it actually the premiere took place um, in LA on November 27th, a uh, midday there at the Cine Family at the Silent Movie Theater. Um, haven't seen any details on it yet, or just what people thought about it or what it was involved. But uh, stay tuned to the Superman homepage uh, for some coverage of that and. Uh, when it gets released online, uh, we'll uh, we'll you know be uh, showing it or giving you links to where you can see it. But uh, I just wanted to get back to Henry Cavill. I actually went and saw uh, Immortals the other day, um, and it was I went and saw it with my father, and we went and saw it in 3D, and uh, was impressed with Henry Cavill. I was really looking forward to Immortals just because it's a type of film that I would, that I tend to go see. It's, it's along the lines of the films that my dad and I both like. Uh, but uh, the fact that Henry Cavill was in it was uh, an added bonus, and I was keen to see how, um, you know, what kind of an actor he was and what his capabilities were, and especially in regards to the action fighting sequences. And I was really impressed. I thought he really carried the movie well. He carried his character very well, and uh, was definitely the the highlight of the film. Now, Steve. Yeah. Uh He's obviously much, much smaller, thinner, not as muscular in this movie. How could he possibly be uh, <laughs> such a great character? And how could he have possibly done such a good acting job without muscles? Yeah, well, he has he has plenty of muscles in this movie. He's obviously, it's a leaner. And I know you're talking tongue-in-cheek, but... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, he's definitely a leaner uh, build in this uh, in Immortals than what we've already seen from some of these uh, behind-the-scenes photos of uh, Man of Steel. But... Uh, just from his acting capabilities, uh, he was he was very believable. He was um, he was you know intense and um, you know carried a lot of drama and you know especially in regards to the relationship with his mother in this movie. And uh, I was really impressed and I was uh, I was glad that uh, you know 
to, to see that uh, he was, uh, you know, uh, lived up to what my expectations were for Immortals. And you would recommend the movie? It's pretty good. It's, uh, I mean, it's no, it's nothing that I would be raving about. It's a, it was a good, solid story. Great special effects, uh, great action sequences. Very violent, very um, graphic. Uh, so uh, there was a man behind me who took his two younger children, and one of them was uh, small enough to need a booster seat to be able to see. And um, sh oh, poof. I wouldn't be taking anybody under 12 years old, that's for sure. But um, it's, uh, it's very graphic and, and quite violent. And there's, I mean, my dad was saying, you know, he was going to be having nightmares about how many heads were chopped off. So, um, you know, if you've seen 300, you, you know what kind of um, intense graphic violence I'm talking about. Now, what about the story? I have found that I like 300. The, the effects were great. Mm. I like the action. But in general... I like action movies, but I'm not really an action guy in yeah. terms of action for action's sake. What I like is a story, characters, development, something that I can care about. This has been my problem with the, the recent Batman films. Everybody loves them, and they're highly critically favored, and, and they seem to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. But for me, I feel like there's not a lot of substance there in terms of character or story or reasoning that I can figure that makes me care about anyone. Uh, if I'm going to see a movie like Immortals or, or whatever I see, I like there to be uh, some deepness to it, some sort of depth of character. Well, there is in, in Henry's story in that he's a, a peasant-type character who comes from... I mean, even amongst his own people, he's frowned upon because he's supposedly a bastard child and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, he, you know, he's, there's a lot of drama about his mother, who um, I won't you know, spoil too much about the movie. But um, there is, you know, he needs to avenge her death, and um, and yeah, so there's a bit of a, a, a you know, a character um, arc for him, for his character. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, not a very in-depth story. It's pretty um, easy to follow, and there isn't a lot of um, yeah, there aren't very many levels to. The characters, but uh, yeah, you're you're interested in what happens with his character, and and you're concerned for him, and you're in, you know you're hoping that he uh, he comes through with flying colours, and um, the villain played by Mickey Rourke is uh, somebody you just despise, and you just hope that uh, anybody, but hopefully Henry can overcome uh, the challenges set by this character. Mickey Rourke has been impressing me uh, over the last few years. I mean, mm. I guess he was gone for a while. He had a lot of drug problems. Yeah. I never knew too much about him, you know, but then he showed up in The Wrestler, which I thought was just a fantastic film. So uh, I'm kind of impressed with anything he does. And yeah. I think I think it's obvious that Henry took a lot of the fans' comments to heart and was really interested in bulking up and getting into really good shape. And I think that Immortals was certainly a good springboard for him to get into that mindset and really... Um, you know, uh, start working out intensively, and, and clearly by the videos and pictures we've seen online, he's filled out a lot more than some people thought he would. Yeah, no. So uh, if it's the type of film you'd like to see, then uh, I could recommend Immortals for fans uh, interested in uh, seeing what Henry Cavill, uh, what his capabilities are as an actor. Now, uh, moving on, we've uh, seen a few fan films uh, released online for Superman fans of late, and. Uh, there was a lot of hoo-ha over Superman Requiem, which, um, it was, yeah, I don't know how to, I don't know how to approach this. It, it was 
<laughs> they, they came from it from the point of view of a lot of passion and a lot of heart and a lot of love for the character. But uh, you know, I was disappointed by the by the final product. Um, I know it's a fan film. I know they don't have thousands and thousands or millions and millions of dollars. But um, supposedly there was a lot of people in, who were professionals involved with this, and I think it suffered from casting choices and from script um, plot holes. Yeah, I mean, what did you think? Now, <laughs> before I before I give any kind of opinion, uh, are, are we going to have our comments deleted if they're too much in a negative light, or is it is that going to be a problem? Should I? Well, I'm editing I? this, so um, I don't think I have any concerns. Okay, good, good, good. Um, <laughs> I think that you were, um, oh boy, how should I say, uh, kind. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but I mean, look, guys, um, I understand where you're coming from. I love the character, too, and there's a reason why I haven't done a fan film, and Superman Requiem is it. Uh, If I did a fan film, even if I had $12,000, I know that it would come out looking the way uh, Superman Requiem looked, And, and, and there was a lot about it. That just didn't sit right. Uh, as you say, the casting was um, not all that impressive. Although I did appreciate some of uh, uh, the gentleman who played Alex Luthor. I like that. But then when you get into Alex Luthor, you get into the the plot holes, the reason he's there, how did this happen? He blames Superman for killing his father. Uh, we know Superman doesn't kill, so of course he's blaming him for something that went wrong and something happened and he doesn't really know the whole story. Or does he? Because we don't. Uh, they make a lot of leaps. They they talk about they, they didn't want to cast other characters uh, that were known as other actors because they didn't want the fans to have to suspend disbelief too much or whatever. But then they have a Superman who weighs about 80 pounds and... Uh, just doesn't seem to fit the role at all. Um, I did think that the best scenes were the ones between he and um, the new uh, love interest. Allie. Allie, although it's completely unbelievable that uh, suddenly Superman would would have tears of passion for this woman at the end of the movie um, where he's saying things like, I've never cared for anyone like you. I thought Lois was the right one, but clearly I was wrong. I mean... Hmm. We just we took a lot of steps out of bounds, and I understand taking some of his powers away when you're on a budget. That might have been the keenest way to go about um, staying within your budget, and that's fine. That doesn't bother me at all, and I understand that this was a um, a look into the man himself and what type of character he is with powers or without powers. Um, but then you had him running with the, the Connor Kent look on or the Smallville look on or whatever it was that they were going for. And and the running looked just as bad as having too many other effects would have looked. Um, I think having him speed off screen and then appear where he wanted to be like they did on Smallville to save money would have been a better way to go. Because I think the running scenes just looked laughable. Mm. And, and probably like me, people who were watching, if they even got that far – um, missed lines, even though there weren't many lines in the film, missed things that were going on uh, because they were laughing too much after seeing him run. Um, also, and people have already mentioned this, but I'm going to mention it again, I understand dramatic tension and I understand they do it sometimes on TV, they do it sometimes in, in film, um, but it, it's really too much of a stretch for me since I know that he can run over to Paris or wherever Lois was um, as super boyish because he has super speed 
that he would just sit there kind of crying, cradling this dying woman that he has gotten so close to and let Alexander Luther get away when he has the ability to tie them up uh, and then um, run over to the hospital much, much more quickly than an ambulance could ever get him there. That was my big problem with that uh, end sequence as well was that they totally went over the fact that he has super speed and uh, that he could have easily, you know, I mean, the guy throwing him a mobile phone, I mean, what? the hell i mean that's pretty anticlimactic <laughs> yeah it absolutely i mean and 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 the guy said in your interview that you did with him that um we just don't understand uh movie making if 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 he had just had him speed over to the hospital it would have taken all dramatic tension out of the movie and and uh they wouldn't have much of a movie well i don't think that that's entirely true i think that he could have um uh you know taken Alexander Luthor at the same time or tied him up and he could have still gotten away for the end scene and he could have flown over to the hospital and we still could have had, and I don't mean fly when I say flown, I just mean really fast running. Um, and we still could have had the end touching scene that we were supposed to have. Uh, so, so I think that that's kind of sidestepping and, and, uh, you know, I just, and further when you set something up, you know, a few years ago, a movie called The Man Who Knew Too Little came out. It it, it, it starred uh, Bill Murray. It was a comedy. It was silly. It wasn't really meant to be taken incredibly seriously. My dad saw it. He was raving about it, how funny it was. The greatest, the funniest movie he'd seen in years. He made us all go. I mean, he didn't make us, but he convinced us all, oh, you got to go, you got to go. We all went, and I personally thought, wow, a couple of things were funny, but... I mean, it really wasn't that good, and I think part of that is the setup. You know, the Superman Requiem family has been kind of setting this up for some months, what, eight months, nine, ten months, over a year? How long has it been telling us the greatest film, the greatest fan film, a production value quality fan film that you haven't seen since Hollywood? And and it really, really wasn't. And as you mentioned, if there were people that are professional, and Alexander Luther, from what I've been told the actor who plays him was in some harry potter movies now i don't know if he was just third extra from the left who is only seen for a second but if you know and his acting was pretty good i mean some of it was a little weird but uh i thought he was probably the best most seasoned actor and i believed him as kind of a terrorist type villain but um as far as production value there was virtually none and i'm not saying as they as they defend themselves well you've never tried to make a fan film about superman i'm not saying that i have what i'm saying is don't build it up so much that you really can only fail because Mm. with twelve thousand dollars with the budget that you have clearly it wasn't enough to make uh, a movie that will make us believe again Uh, it just wasn't and Aside from all that, the writing was not, not very good. And you can, with with budget or not, you can make a film that has great writing and a great plot and great characters, and it doesn't always matter if your budget isn't up to par, because we know a fan film is not going to be. And, you know, send the death threats to uh, a different address. I won't give you mine. (laughs) Now, the other one that came out was a short film called S, a Superman fan film. Now... Uh, it's only just been posted in the last couple of days on the Superman homepage. I don't know if you actually got to uh, see that one. It's only an 18-minute short film. It sees Brainiac come to Earth, and uh, along with Lex Luthor, they try to take out Superman. And it's very green screen heavy, very special effects heavy. And um, actually, you know, for what it's what it, what they did with it, it's uh, it's a bit of a you know light entertainment. Is it is is it live action? 
It is live action, live action characters, live action actors, but most of the backgrounds and most of the uh, uh, the scenery is uh, computer graphics um, and or you know uh, photo uh, Photoshop backgrounds. But um, you know, it's obviously it was built around those kind of effects. They you know the story isn't flash, uh, but the actors are pretty are pretty okay. Um, the guy who plays Superman in this is more believable than the guy who plays Superman in Requiem. Um, and, uh, you know, they've got Lois and they've got Lex and it's, you know, a lot of drama involved, but it's only a short film and, um, for what they put into it, um, it's, uh, it's not too bad. Yeah, I'm gonna ha- I mean, I'm gonna definitely take a look and, and having not seen it, I obviously can't make, uh, a complete review, but I'll say two things. One is Superman Requiem with the budget they had, and that seems to be their, their reasoning for why it's not even Superman Returns rated. Um, the better way to go would have been to make an 18-minute fan film, a, a short, um, go the way of, of other fan films before. I have seen Batman fan films that, no, weren't an hour and five minutes long, but they were believable, they were good. They were entertaining. They did what they were supposed to do, and all the characters fit where they were supposed to fit. I don't know if you know the one I'm referring to yeah. when I say uh, there's one where Batman uh, or somebody interviews the Joker and Harley Quinn's in it, and they're inside Arkham Asylum, and, and the Joker escapes at the end. It's just really good. It's quality, but it's a fan film. The acting is superb. I also saw one a few years ago. It's really nothing more than a trailer. But it's um, uh, it's got a big bulky Superman in it, and then Batman's in it, and then Nightwing's in it, and they're all jumping around, and there's cars being lifted. And again, they don't have the budget to put together a full length movie, but it's entertaining, it's cool, it's fun to look at, um, and it works. So, so I think that the Superman S, a Superman fan film, went the right direction by doing an 18 minute short film. I don't know if all the green screen work and photoshopping and effects, uh, I'll have to watch it to see, but I, I still think when you have a limited budget and clearly kind of a limited script, you should cut stuff that doesn't need to be there, you should tighten things up and you should you should make it uh, short and sweet as opposed to trying to do a long film because you want to prove something. Um, but, you know, uh, there was also one called Grayson. I don't know if you watched mm. it. And I thought it was superb. So well done. And and just so, so it was well shot. Uh, it was not 18 minutes. It was a little longer than 18 minutes, I think. But it was really well done. And then there was one out there a few years ago that's clearly based on Superman. But they didn't use any of the character names. He's an older Superman. Yeah. Lois has died. Uh, but, again, and it's black and white. And the guy cast was perfect. I could see him playing Superman, and he plays his. And then the ca- and the shoot, the shoot, the camera work was just so well done, and the you could feel the emotion of him not knowing how to continue without his love, and it was just. I mean, it, it fit, and it was it, it, the writing was good and sharp. Yeah. Now, uh, before we uh, move away from talking about movies, uh, there was a bit of casting news. Um, Julian Riching, who uh, fans of the TV show Supernatural recognize as the character Death. Uh, let uh, let loose the, the fact that he's uh, been cast as, uh, I think, a Kryptonian, uh, or he's on the Krypton scenes uh, for Man of Steel. So, um, an interesting uh, character, interesting actor for uh, for Man of Steel. 
He is interesting. He's a little creepy looking. Yeah. Um, if he plays the character of Death on Supernatural, I guess I can see why. Uh, when I saw the photo that was released and, and the story on the homepage, I kind of thought, wow, he plays somebody named Death. I really don't think I'd be afraid of this guy. I mean, he's he's creepy, but he's really skinny and kind of small. And, uh, but, I mean, I mean, maybe that's what they're going for. Even in Man of Steel, if he was cast as a Kryptonian, I'm not really sure what Kryptonian he'd be cast as. But I have said for years, and, and people argue with me that, Superman doesn't need to be buff or good looking or attractive. You know, he could just be a big fat guy that came from Krypton and <laughs> gets his powers from the yellow sun. He doesn't have to be muscular because his power doesn't come from his muscles. Mm. Um, that may be an argument for another day, but this could be proof positive that not every Kryptonian is in um, you know, wrestling shape, shape yeah. because he's thin and skinny. Uh, I actually, when I saw him, I thought he's kind of like a Desaad character mm. or maybe even the Creeper. Um, or uh, a riot, or something. you know, the look of him. If they were going to use those type of characters, seems to fit those type of characters. But we'll have to see uh, when Man of Steel comes out in a long time from now, uh, or who he actually is. Yeah, exactly. So that's uh, Julian Riching. Now uh, let's move into our TV discussions. We've uh, there were three episodes of Young Justice that uh, we haven't discussed since our last podcast, um, and they kind of all tie into each other in, in some respects, um, especially Failsafe and Disordered. Uh, Failsafe was the one where they had a virtual training session where um, it kind of got overtaken by uh, Miss Martian's capabilities and became a virtual reality that everyone thought was real and certain characters died. Superman died, Green Lantern died, uh, some of the members, uh, Artemis died, you know, and it was just very horrible and you're thinking this has got to be a dream sequence or something these characters can't be dying this easily and uh it really shook the team apart and um uh, shook them to their core when uh when they finally did come out of this virtual reality uh training sequence uh for them to realize that uh, it wasn't real and um just how much it affected them on a personal level i uh i agree with everything you said and i uh, I, the one thing I wanted to, you know, kind of elaborate on is it was so dark mm. and so serious and so emotional uh, for a Cartoon Network show that you would think is aimed at youngins. Um, and I've tried to get my daughter to watch some of the episodes. And um, sometimes I feel like she really likes female superheroes and it's because she's a little girl and, you know, she embodies, you know, she likes to think of her. Her, these characters as being kind of on her level when they're the female. So, uh, you know, we're going to talk about secrets in a bit. I've tried to get her to watch that because I know uh, the A plot of that was about the two girls going to New York City. And I thought I, I tried to use that to get her in to watch it. But, I mean, in general, when she has watched it, I've seen her kind of turn away, kind of say, I don't like this anymore. I'm scared of this. This is, you know. So I think as opposed to a show like Teen Titans, which I did not like, um, this show is more for older uh, audiences. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of times you can watch a movie like Bolt or Up and, and kids can watch it too and not get affected as much by some of the emotional impact. Whereas this show, I think in a lot of ways is a little beyond that. And I'm glad because it's, I'm, I don't think I would enjoy it as much if it was really kiddie based. Um, but it is very – that was a very tough episode. Uh, I had read before I watched it that it was a virtual training session that went badly. So some of that impact was taken out for me, although I'm sure I would have 
known pretty early on that it couldn't be real. Uh, but I thought the episode was fantastic. I did mention in Great Scott that I thought it was played a little light that Superman, the greatest hero, the leader of them all, had fallen. Uh, and it seemed to me more so that the creators were shying away again from mentioning Superman more than it was uh, some people had barked at me that it's about the kids. Who cares if they didn't mention Superman? But they do make a point of mentioning characters like Green Arrow and saying – Green Arrow has fallen. I mean, Green Arrow's a guy with a mask and a bow. He doesn't have powers. He doesn't save the world on a regular basis. Uh, Batman, uh, very famous, very popular, probably DC's most popular, uh, most money-making. But again, really, in terms of realism, and I know comics aren't real, incapable of saving the world. I know Mm. he's done it. I know they do it continuously in these animated films. I know he seems to be the main guy all the time. I know he's the leader of Young Justice, and he's the one they show the most, and he's the one that tells them what to do, and they're kind of staying away from Superman. But I think that there should have been much more impact, even on the kids, because Superman is the one everybody always, from the beginning of time, has looked up to. And I kind of don't like that they seem to purposely shy away from that. And in this uh, show, they've even kind of made Connor resent him and hate him in a way because of the way they they played him um when they did meet he kind of had nothing to say and flew away from connor a child in need of assistance advice and help and was looking to be taught by who he thought was going to be his mentor and superman turned away and and to me that's not something superman would do and i understand he's emotionally conflicted as well um but it's, it's hurtful to the character, I think, especially to newer viewers or people who don't know. And they can just kind of say, wow, Superman's a big, you know, four-letter D word. <laughs> uh, and he's not. And he shouldn't be. Not exactly. And I, I, I'm sure that they'll get back to that or whatever. But I think a lot of it, again, in these instances is the creators not really knowing what to do with Superman, not knowing if just mentioning him is going to turn people off or, or what. Because mm. it just seems like they go out of their way to spotlight other people, to speak about other people, to mention the dismay other people feel when other heroes are killed, but they kind of stay away from, you know, he dies in the first minute, it's over, no one really cares. Yeah, and then uh, the next episode, Disordered, uh, saw the uh, the aftermath of that, and, you know, Black Canary is trying to counsel each of the team members individually, get their feelings on what they, on what happened and how it's affected them, and um, Superboy kind of goes off on an, his own adventure with uh, Wolf and with Sphere, who ends up being a, um, a, a contraption or a machine from um, the Forever from New Genesis. And the Forever people come to reclaim uh, technology that's been stolen or and taken away, and it has an en- ended up on Earth. And uh, most of it's in the hands of. Um, of uh, the uh, intergang uh, people, and um, and uh, so Superboy teams up with these Forever people to uh, to try to get back some of the equipment taken by intergang, and um, obviously Decide is involved. And uh, it's what, what did you think of this episode? I thought the episode was great. I mean, I really have not disliked any episode of Young mm-hmm. Justice yet. There are parts of it that uh, bother me. Um, that they're in the middle of Metropolis and they're having this major battle and there's a giant robot being built fighting people, that there's a sphere flying around and that there's no Superman, there's no Supergirl, there's no any other hero 
um, when we all know that Metropolis is kind of a main area where villains would be. Uh, where are these people? Where is Super Superman lives in Metropolis? And I know it's not about them. All you got to do is add one little line and say Superman's off planet, Superman's busy, uh, whatever. Even Batman, who knows Superboy went out there, um, doesn't hear about it, doesn't know about it, doesn't. I mean, it's a major event going down in Metropolis. And I know they were underground at first, but then the battle comes out to to the main area. Um, and somebody would see it. There's not even any, there's no people around. There's nothing. It's, it's completely unnoticed by anybody. Hmm. Um, so I thought that was a little odd, but I mean, uh, I love a, a story that centers around Superboy and, and I love the way it went. I love his emotional attachment to sphere. I love that he's protecting it. Uh, I don't know why. I, I don't even know when he came in. He just appeared one day and suddenly it's a character. Now, uh, the third episode in the most recent, uh, secrets, which you kind of mentioned a bit before, it sees uh, a character by the name of Harm, who always talks about himself in the third person, who comes in possession of the sword of Beowulf. And um, now you've got the two girls. You've got uh, Zatanna and Artemis, who go out on the town and, uh, you know, looking for some action and um, are approached by this ghostly, you know, little girl character who all she can say is secret, secret. And the girls have to piece together and, and, and um, confront harm and, and try to, uh, you know, save the day. Yeah, I, this is one that I haven't seen yet because I was trying to convince my daughter to watch it with me. It looks like it's not going to happen. Um, I'm trying as hard as I can to to uh, to sculpt a, a comic book fan uh, little girl, but it's... <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, it's becoming difficult, um, as she doesn't want to watch a lot of these things, but, uh, so I'm going to get to that soon. I do, um, I find myself enjoying Artemis a lot more than I thought I would yeah. when she was first introduced. I actually thought, uh, she was the leak or whatever that they keep talking about. I do find it a little interesting. When did Zetana become 15? Yeah, they really uh, made her character a younger character in this version of uh, of the series. Obviously, her father Zatara is uh, of the age group of, or a little bit older than Batman, Superman, and the other uh, Justice League characters. So, this being her daughter, they've uh, made her uh, a team member or a, a friend of the Young Justice team, and uh, so she's uh, of that age group, which is interesting, and it works for this show. But it might be confusing for other people who try to get into the character in other versions. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I like having her there. Uh, I like uh, Zatanna, and, and she kind of is underused in terms of seeing her on cartoons and things of that nature. Mm. Uh, she, she did make a few appearances on Smallville, um, but uh, not a lot of people know about her. So I, I think it's okay if yeah. this is your first introduction to her. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, let's uh, move away. Now, there aren't any new Young Justice episodes uh, for the next couple of weeks. I believe the next one will be December 9th, maybe. Um, I'll have to double-check that. But um, there's no... uh, They've had a couple of weeks break from new Young Justice episodes, so uh, stay tuned to the Superman homepage for our Superman on TV weekly column, which highlights... Now, when uh, does... yeah. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. When does uh, when does uh, when does Smallville come back? When's the next <laughs> new episode? Of, since we're on TV, I just figured I'd bring that up because well, you don't have it on the list here. No. Well, there are, the only Smallville you'll be seeing is the DVD and Blu-ray releases, which uh, took place at the end of November. November 29th uh, was the DVD release of uh, the um, complete series. 
and also the DVD and Blu-ray release of season ten. But um, yeah, that's the that's the end of Smallville, Scotty. It doesn't now, when you mention you mention complete series and end, <laughs> you mean just end of what they've done so far and more to come later, right? Yeah, no. Uh, oh. And uh, you know, we have to dismiss that uh, that rumor about Metropolis, this show that supposedly. He's uh, doing the, the rounds of about a, uh, a, a new show that's going to be starring Tom Welling and Erica Durant. Uh, the show Metropolis is not happening. It's a, it's, a, uh, it's a lie. It's a figment of someone's imagination. <laughs> yeah, somebody on IMDb. Yes. Well, that's okay. I mean, hey, let's have, it. Let's, let's have more rumors about <laughs> Superman shows. I, I'm, I'm all for them. Yeah. Now, let's move into our comics discussion. Um, we've seen the number three issues of all the new DC Universe uh, comic books, uh, Action Comics number three, uh, saw some scenes from Krypton which were kind of like a dream sequence for, for Superman that uh, showed him what had happened with uh, Jor-El and Lara and, and uh, you know, Brainiac um, and what had, you know, what had gone on there. And then the machines start coming to life in Metropolis and um, we might be seeing what's uh, going to be, you know, the new version of Metallo. Yeah, it's very exciting. I love. I'm loving these new uh, takes on these characters. I mean, obviously, as everyone has already mentioned countless times, there are some differences from what we've been used to. Yeah. The origin is slightly altered. Some of these characters are, you know, a bit different than what we know. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying kind of, kind of. Uh, being on this journey with Clark yeah. or Kal-El or Superman or whatever he's calling himself or whatever he feels he is more of. We haven't seen a lot of his Earth uh, um, influence as far as his Earth parents or anything. Um, and now it seems like we're going to see even less of that as we move on to some of this Krypton stuff. Um, but I like it. I mean, I like seeing uh, these things come to life for the quote-unquote first time yeah. uh, this time. And that's, uh, I, you know, I'm enjoying it. Now, uh, I'll just skip ahead to Justice League number three, which was uh, an introduction, basically, for Wonder Woman. And we did see Aquaman on the last page as well, which will obviously, issue number four will be an Aquaman-centric um, issue. But uh, Wonder Woman is introduced into the, to the other Justice League members. Well, they're not really the Justice League yet, but, you know, Superman, Batman, Flash and Green Lantern, who have met each other and are fighting these, what we know to be uh, parademons from Apocalypse, and um, so there's there's all that. And now in issue number three, they're pretty much just taking the task on these uh, parademons and ripping them limb from limb. And and then there was a big hoo ha about oh Superman's killing without any compunction. He's, you know he has he has no dramas about killing these these sentient beings. But um, then in Superman number three, we hear this dilemma he's having over. Um, this Heather Kelly character and whether or not his actions in trying to um, detach her from this ice being, this ice alien or whatever it is that's um, you know, creating all this havoc in Metropolis, he's saying he doesn't want to kill. You know, he has this problem about killing. So um, obviously these parademons in Justice League number three are not live beings. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if they're live. I mean, the... the, the the parademons always have been uh, previously, but I mean, they could be versions that aren't. They could be, I don't know, cyborgian. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure. Or uh, it's possible that they're taking Superman and yet another slight difference in direction. And and uh, I mean, in in other certain instances, uh, Superman animated, I can mention uh, there were times when it seemed awfully like killing to me. 
Um, uh, and we know that Superman isn't supposed to do that. Um, and I have had arguments with people about, you know, if he would just kill once in a while, we wouldn't have um, so much death of innocent people because mm. then these villains wouldn't be able to return over and over again. And in this case, if the demons from Apocalypse are coming through and, and may threaten to take over the world or or kill other people, maybe you get to a point where you got to do whatever you can to stop them. Um, I, I, I haven't seen by way of narration that we're at that point yet. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully some of that will be explained as we move on. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, was there anything else in the comic book world that you wanted to uh, make note of? I don't believe so. Okay. Well, the other thing that I wanted to make note of was the fact that DC Comics overtook Marvel for top sales. Um, oh, look at that. Yeah, they got uh, 51% of the market share with Marvel only at 30.3, I think it was. Uh, percent. So um, this is the first time in a long time, in a couple of years, that DC has uh, has taken the top spot, um, and obviously that's all due, you know, down to the uh, the relaunch of the the DC universe. And um, you know, that's great. I, I think that's fantastic. It is very. I mean, it's uh, it's ex- it's an exciting time to be a DC fan, and uh, I uh, <coughs> I feel a bit. Uh, saddened that uh i see now where you were leading me and i just didn't go there <laughs> no that's that's fine i was uh i was i just thought maybe you wanted to talk about some of the other comics but um <laughs> no uh we'll uh we'll leave that there but uh the only other thing i wanted to mention before we move into the big question segment of the show was the release of the uh superman game for ios devices be there an iphone ipads or ipods and um, I know you don't own one of those devices, but I've got a, both an iPad and an iPhone. And I uh, in, really enjoyed this new Superman game uh, that was just recently released. It's in the top ten of uh, downloaded apps uh, at the moment, which is, it, which is great. And a lot of people are giving these rave reviews. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, <laughs> every time a Superman game comes out on these consoles, these you know, million-dollar games, these games that they put so much budget into, so much time into, all they ever get is panned critically yeah, and, and both by fans. So uh, to kind of hear that, it, that, a, that, a, that a tiny little game with no graphics on a phone uh, is uh, getting rave reviews and, and people really like it and it's being bought uh, gangbuster, I, I, like, I like to hear that. Yeah, well, the, um, the, the graphics actually for the iPhone are, are pretty good and uh, the game's only $0.99 cents on the uh, App Store for the iPhone. I think it's three ninety nine for the iPad version which is a, a higher definition uh, hd quality graphics for the ipad version but um it's uh, quite dynamic the um the the you know moving around of the character is quite uh, nimble and, and reactive you know you know reacts really quickly and uh, uh, the 18 levels are you know harder as you go along and uh, you have to get uh, different levels if even if you beat the level and you only get the bronze uh, completion, you know, you try to re- redo the level and get silver, or even get better and do gold, uh, you know, to get higher points uh, each time. If you want to try to complete the levels uh, as you get uh, better at the game, but um, look for the Superman game at the App Store um, by iTunes. Sounds cool. I hope they release a Droid version soon. <laughs> well, uh, let's hope there's more Superman games uh, in the future. But uh, let's move yeah. into the big question segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. 
All right. Well, last month's big question, even though I have no memory of asking this, was if you can change one person in the cast of Man and Steel, Man of Steel, who would it be and why? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Now, Starla Bose, our young friend, uh, replies with, first, thanks, Scotty, for all the nice things you said about me. Uh, now, as far as you think, as, as who I think should be cast in this film, I was watching the first Lord of the Rings, and when I saw uh, Liv Tyler, I felt she would make a great Lois Lane. She's strong and very pretty, just like Lois can be. But I also want the guys making the film to know I'm available to play Lois as a 10-year-old girl. Ah, that sounds fantastic. I think they should call Starla right away and do like a scene where uh, and this is wholly original I'm making this up as I go I'm on the fly where she's like in a train and maybe like a person who played Lois Lane years ago could be like this Lois Lane's mother and then maybe a guy who played Superman years ago could be like this Lois Lane's father, and they could be in a train when Clark is running really fast next to the train, and then Clark could do like a leap and kind of leap in front of the train. I think that wow. would be exciting, and wow, Starla could be the Lois. That's brilliant, Scotty. I don't know how you come up with these things. Well, I'm very imaginative, and yeah. I just, I, you know, I, sometimes I get carried away. <laughs> uh, Joshua Lopez wrote, I feel that Kevin Costner should not have been cast as Jonathan Kent. I feel audience members will connect him to various other films he has done. And honestly, he isn't the greatest actor. And for him to portray such an iconic character in the Superman genre, I feel he has big shoes to fill. In other words, his acting A-game better be turned on to convince audience members that Superman slash Clark has a strong ethical foundation, which to learn from. Wow. Yeah, uh, Kevin Costner taking a little bit on the chin there. Uh, I tend to agree with Joshua in that I haven't been all that impressed in some of Kevin Costner's films. He does seem to just kind of be Kevin Costner in every film that he is in. Uh, But when he was cast as Jonathan, I I actually, for some reason, that one bit of casting, uh, I actually thought was inspired. He kind of strikes me as a Midwestern farmer type, and uh, I can certainly see him uh, doing the job. Definitely. Now, uh, Brandon, now, um, uh, keep in mind this name as I read this. I did not have a problem with the majority of the cast. However, like many others, I was still clinging to hope that Routh would have been given another shot of Superman. While I'm very anxious to see how Cavill will make the character his own, I know that after the movie comes to theatres, a part of me will always be curious to see what Routh would have done with that interpretation. (laughs) Interesting that uh, Brandon wrote that. It is interesting that Brandon would write something like that. Mm. Who knows? Who knows why Brandon would think that Brandon should write something like that I anyway? I what Brandon's last name was. Uh, no, no, I'm not sure. You know what would be cool is if, is if Ralph himself were writing in to the Superman homepage <laughs> Radio Cal broadcast. I think that would be something. Brandon Ralph, if you're the one who wrote this, please, please step, step into the light. Let us see you. Uh, Chris P. Bacon wrote... Oh, bacon. I love bacon on just about anything. Especially like crispy bacon. Like like ice cream. Well, maybe not ice cream, but, but just about <laughs> anything else. Uh, Chris wrote, if we consider Metropolis to be a character, and in some ways we can, I would cast Toronto as Metropolis. It isn't that I don't like Vancouver and Chicago. They're both great cities. But I live so much closer to Toronto, there would be a chance that I could see the filming, be an extra, and meet the actors. So, yes, <laughs> my reasons are entirely self-serving. Mm, okay, Chris, fair enough. I uh, can't blame you uh, for, for that thought. Now, uh, what's our new big question for the fans, Scotty? Which comic book are you currently enjoying the most and why? Mm, good thoughts there. Now, um, if you have a favorite comic book from the relaunch, 
Uh, let us know which one it is and why, why you're enjoying it uh, more than any of the others. And get involved with a new Big Question uh, segment of the show by using the Big Question button found at the Superman homepage. Now you can send your entry as a text entry and we will read it out as we've done with these. Or you can record an audio uh, entry and we'll play that in our next Radio KL podcast. And maybe next uh, month Scotty and I will give our answers to this Big Question as well. Yes, sounds good. Lois returns to her old stomping grounds. I thought I'd drop in and say hello to my favorite editor. I'm a very busy man, you know. Mm-hmm, yes, but never too busy for me, right? I'm right. Am I right? Dan confronts Maggie about a growing problem. So, listen, I'm kind of worn down. I'm gonna clock out a bit early if you've got everything under control here. Again? Haven't been gone that much. You've been out of here more than you've been in lately. Leastways as far as I can tell. And Warworld has a way of making tensions rise. If these lonesome brutes want blood, I will be all too happy to give them yours. You never quit, do you? Why should I? Victory is the only acceptable outcome. Uh, this is getting us nowhere. If we keep fighting, someone's going to get seriously hurt. What a marvelous idea. Uh. Batten down the hatches for Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, issue 83, on November 30, 2011, only at PendantAudio.com. Ambulances are on the scene, and it looks like the fires caused by the explosions are under control. Metello finds that staying out of the limelight has its downsides. <sighs> Well, you know, I would have been glad to see you about 20 minutes ago. Where were you? Right uh, here, where I said I'd be. And Superman and Supergirl try to end the battle on their own terms. You expect to talk your freedom out of him? We have to try. Tune in to Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, Episode 55, Coming November 30th at PendantAudio.com. Marvelous. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Okay, the super secret soundbite. Now, um, where was our sound from last month uh, from? Well, last month's sound came from the 1943. Some of you uh, may be too young to remember that year. Yeah. I remember it as being not in my memory. <laughs> uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon, Super Rabbit. Five people guessed it correctly, and they were Jeremy Crawford, Jan Roman Picula, Joshua Lopez, Matthew Apps, and Lynn S.M. Well done to, uh, to those one, two, three, four, five people. Uh, congratulations on guessing uh, what, uh, where that sound came from, uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon, Super Rabbit. Now let's see if those same people and more can guess which sound, sorry, where in the Superman world uh, this sound comes from. Miss Morgan Perry! Where are those treats I asked you to fetch? Mm, so where do you think that sound came from? If you uh, have an idea, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out in the next Radio KL podcast. 
this month's Superman song is Superman by Mitch Allen, sorry, Mitch (laughs) Allen from his 2007 album, Clawing My Way to the Middle. Yeah, so here's Superman by Mitch Allen.
Well, there you have it. Now, uh... I didn't even know that song existed. Yeah, well, it's uh, not too long ago. It's only four to four years oh. ago, but, um... Yeah, Mitch Allen. Uh, anyway, um... Just, uh, Remember, if there's a you know there's a topic that you'd like Scotty and I to discuss, uh, maybe there's a big question you'd like us to put to the fans. Maybe there's a song you'd like to request, or uh, maybe there's um, a super secret soundbite you'd uh, you know you think there's some one area of the Superman fandom that we're not uh, we're not uh, tapping into for our sounds. All those suggestions can be sent to us using the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage. And Scotty and I will endeavour to use those suggestions in a future show. But for now, once again, happy birthday, Scotty. Thank you, Steve, and uh, everybody. I just want to say one thing about Superman Requiem before we finish. (laughs) And I meant to add this before. I watched the whole thing from beginning to end in one sitting. So uh, that's got to say something. Uh, Remember, everybody, faster than a speeding bullet. Oh, that's a new one. This is Jeffrey Bridges, Superman homepage staff reviewer and executive producer of Pendant Productions. You may know us from Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, and Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, the audio dramas that air right here every month on Superman homepage. You can also hear good old Scott Vinicombe as Robin in our Batman, The Ace of Detectives audio drama, which also airs monthly. And I just want to wish Mr. Vinicombe a very happy birthday. Congratulations on living for another year, Scott! Woo! Hey everybody, my name is Michael Bailey. And I am Jeffrey Taylor. And we host a show called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast presented by the Superman homepage. Today we're here to wish a very happy birthday to the Superman homepage's own, Scotty V. Hi, Scotty! I, uh, I've been, uh, what's, how do I want to say this? I've been interacting with Scott for years. Uh, he used to write to me about my mild-mannered reviews years ago. And I finally got to meet the guy in 2008 at the Superman celebration and uh, met him and his, his lovely wife and his uh, lovely first daughter. And nobody's a nicer guy. But, Scotty, you've been, a, you've been doing a great job with the great Scots. Uh, I'm proud to call you friend, and we look forward to having you on From Crisis to Crisis. Jeffrey? Yes. Yes, we are definitely looking forward to having you on. I, I've had less interaction with Scott, but by all means, happy birthday. I, uh, I I hope to one day be able to meet you. However, all the harassment that you've been giving me on Facebook just needs to stop because we're going to have a, a restraining order on our hands otherwise. You make absolutely no sense sometimes. Sometimes. Happy birthday, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Love you. Hey, Scotty, this is Neil Bailey. I know I haven't been uh, keeping in contact lately because of the Phantom Zone, um, but I just wanted to say happy birthday from the great beyond. Your contributions are very valued, and and, and I I, I enjoy listening to and seeing the varying things that you do on the Superman homepage. It brightens my day. Thank you. You've been listening to Radio KL from supermanhomepage.com.